good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a movie podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like peanuts, cotton candy, and hot dogs like circus snacks. I am Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with me as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing well. It happened. It. It it did happen. It happened. I, I wrangled you into it. Uh, this past weekend, you and I, the Popcorn Diet team, not only did we go see it, but I managed with, with the help of your lovely wife, managed to get you, challenge you, test your commitment to the podcast, and get you to come to the all-clown showing of it at the Alamo Draft House in Chandler, Arizona. And by God... I know not to cha- question your commitment. I don't know about don't other ne- people. Don't ever question my commitment. No. Let me say this, though. I think it was l- less... I think I wanted to go to it more because there was an all-clown showing. It would have been harder if, to get me to a non-all-clown showing sure. because I would have been like, eh. <laughs> well, this, this was something I was like, this would be great for the podcast. It's true. It's true. By, by your own admission... This was done for everybody that's listening. By your own admission, you weren't exactly, quote-unquote, excited to see this movie. No. I believe it was you who said on our live stream that the the the, the commercial gave you nightmares. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did um, the first time I saw it. I'm pretty sure I closed my eyes at least once. I think the—and this is getting into stuff we'll talk about. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the trailer was scarier than the actual movie. I think it was as well because the trailer— And the reason I was so excited for this movie was that the trailer shook me in a way that I have not felt in a while. Um, Like, there have been effective, scary movie trailers. Like, The Conjuring had the clap clap and stuff like that. And, like, Lights Out and Don't Breathe. Those had great trailers. But the first trailer for this one, where it barely showed the clown, legit rattled me is is it because there's no spoilers for trailers no (laughs) no it wasn't no and we'll get to this we'll actually get to this at the end when we talk about spoilers but in the trailer it's when his brother is like you'll flow too you'll flow too and then starts screaming you'll flow that shit unsettled me (laughs) and i was immediately unlike you who are like "Eh, i don't want to see this i was like all right, you've got my attention, you know. Um, but we were we were we were given the opportunity. Alamo Draft House. For those of you who don't know, Alamo Draft House is a relatively small theater chain based out of Texas, and they have a few locations scattered across the U.S. They, uh, I think, they opened up their their Chandler, aka their Phoenix location, within the past what year mm-hmm. or so. And they do cool movie shit like this all the time. They do movie screening parties. They do old movies. Uh, they do breakfast club where you come and get breakfast, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And for this, they actually did an all clown screening because somebody tweeted at them when they announced they were doing a woman only screening for Wonder Woman. Some asshole tweeted at them and was like, what are you going to do an all men screening for Thor? Or, or are you going to do an all clown screening for it? I'm approximating their voice. It's sure. probably nothing like that. <laughs> um, and they said, you know, we might have to take that clown idea. And damn it, they did. And your wife shared it with us. And I was like, we got to do it. And we did. And I don't know about you, but before we even get into that, 
it was one of the more fun times I've had at the movies in a while. And and you know me, I love going to the movies. Every, no matter what, I'm I'm into it. Um, but uh, this one was particularly really really fun, just because I feel like everybody was into it. Yeah, well, I think when you do an all clowns screening, you get I think two types of audience. One, it was opening weekend, obviously, so you're going to get people excited about the movie. But sure. You get the people that are a little bit different, right? Which, <laughs> let's be honest, I think it. most people enjoy some good people watching. So I think uh-huh. a number of people were there at least for that. Um, two, some people maybe do have an inner clown in them and yep. were like, I really want to dress up as a clown and this is a perfect excuse. Most of the time it's creepy and it's not Halloween yet. So I have this clown outfit. What am I going to do with it? Right. But then I think it's also like you have people that are genuinely excited about the movie that they would dress up like a clown. So, you know, they're going to be super engaged into the movie. They're going to be respectful of the movie, all those types of things. Whereas, you know, it's kind of a free for all. You know, I don't think anybody was thinking about bringing their baby to a couple of couple of an it couple, movie like the youngest of, kid in kids. there was probably like 12 yeah which to me i would never bring a 12 year old i would totally there. bring my 12 year old to this movie well yeah that's you but i don't um, have any children so <laughs> no i i agree i think the most fun movie going experiences are when everybody gets to celebrate why they're there you know um and this was when the second we walked into the theater it just felt like, oh, we belonged. Oh, we're there. And I don't know about you, but that's just that's a fun feeling for me. Well, and I think for me, it's the same reason why I camped out for movies back right. in the day. We like did Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. And I think I camped out for Lord of the Rings. And that's episode. That's episodes one, two and three for the listeners, not episodes uh, Force Awakens. Yes, they were the letdown movies. If you it's want true. to which ones you want to refer to. But that being said, the cool thing about that was the whole experience. Now, we went over the top for episode, I think it was three. Three, yeah. We were the first ones in lines. We were so early, we got kicked We got off kicked the off premises. the property. But that's a whole other long story. But <laughs> the whole fun about that was just the whole experience. Like, normally when you go to a movie, you go to the box off, get your ticket. Maybe you're there a little early and you got to wait outside the theater. Sure. You walk in, you see it. It's a bunch of random people. Yeah. Um, this one obviously everybody was full into let's see it um to me it took away from the creepiness factor because you look around the room and you got a bunch of like random people in all sorts of different Uh outfits various levels of clown you've got a couple of perform paid performers yes. at the front lighting their arms on fire and <laughs> melting wax on them yeah so i mean that all to me like lightened the mood and the nervousness of like it was so fun it just felt like a community you know it is a community of people and oddly enough you know and it's uh, the other thing that it reminded me of i don't know if you remember this but it reminded me of when i went to see snakes on a plane for a midnight show sure everyone knew why they were there Everyone and the crowd was rowdy, and and the crowd was yelling at the screen like all throughout the previews. A preview would show, and then it would end, and literally three people would yell out, "That movie needs more snakes!" And that was and it was just fun. Well, and that's that's the thing to me, and this is the one thing I will say about Alamo. Like mm-hmm. they gave us this whole speech about like don't heckle the screen and like all these other things. Sure. And, and there was a couple of people you could hear around us that weren't 
real excited about that. They're like, like, oh, "Oh, so we're not supposed to have fun during this. Yeah. But to me, like one of the best parts of seeing a horror movie, and I'm not into horror movies, but one of the things that does, does make a horror movie fun in the theater is, especially when you go like opening weekend, is that people are like, jazzed for it but most of them are genuinely worried about getting the crap scared out right so like i love like i remember i saw paranormal activity the first one right and i remember like just people yelling like don't do it don't do it (laughs) and like just this anticipation because you know something's going to happen and you know movie purists or people that are got to stick up their butt would be saying you know, oh, that takes away, like, you sure. can't enjoy it, like, it's distracting. My thing is, is most horror movies, they're not winning any Oscars. These are not, like... Which is a whole different conversation. Life-changing, like, movies sure. where you really need to pay attention to the dialogue or you need to pay attention to the cinematography in sure. the scene. Like, it's usually people just getting killed in weird ways and <laughs> ghosts Terrorized. and monsters and all those types of things. So it's like... It just adds another dynamic and fun, and people are engaged into the movie, and like you're just as liable to laugh at what someone in the theater says as much as you are to something on the screen. Right, right. I can see that. Uh, you know, I think the thing with Alamo is, and I love Alamo. And the first thing I want to say is that I love Alamo, and I love what they do, and I want to be a part of everything that they do. Um, they are a little militant when it comes to their. No talking, no phone policy, which, number one, I appreciate, you know, but I can certainly see how it might be off-putting to somebody where they literally run a disclaimer for the movie. This theater, it's, it sounds like fucking Escape from New York, like, this theater is a no talking, no texting zone. And I'm like, cool, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that, but, you know, dial it back a little bit. But I think that you're right. I think that being able to yell and being able to scream at, the, at, at a horror movie particularly is a lot of fun. I can certainly see the other argument, the other side of the argument, which is you run the risk of some asshole taking advantage of it. Sure. You know, where it's every, literally every five minutes is, no, 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 or, or oh, 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 shit, or whatever. Yeah. And so I get that, but I also like that... Uh, Alamo sets apart screenings for stuff like that. You know, there have been talk about, there's been talk, I just read an article recently about a theater that wanted to set aside two screenings a day that were quote unquote social screenings where the lights were a little bit uh, lighter and people could talk and text and whatever. And some real purist people were like, no, fuck you, never. (laughs) But for me, it's just like, well, I'm just gonna not go to that screening. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. and and if somebody does it in the screening they shouldn't be then they should get kicked out or they should be asked hey turn your phone off and then they should get kicked out, but I don't have a problem if you do separate screenings for like yell at the screen or Rocky Horror Picture Show or 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 social screenings like I'm into that give give everybody an opportunity just keep them a little bit separate you know <laughs> I, I do like how Alamo always has custom previews and yes. and pre-show for every movie that they do and I do like that being that it was rated R. They went with the R-rated version of "Don't use your cell phone," right? And don't ruin the movie. Where it was, I'm trying to remember what movie it was, but it was some Bigfoot movie. There was more blood in the "Turn off your cell phones" than there probably was in the entire movie movie itself. I love that. I love. (laughs) I love everything that the Alamo Draft House does, and and I can't say enough how much fun that it was. Um, and you can see some of the pictures. You can see our live stream from the event. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, if you go to Facebook, 
and you look for the at the popcorn diet, you're gonna find all of the pictures, all of the fun that we did there, and it was it was an absolute blast. Um, now that's kind of talking about, you know, the the horror movies and the different experience you get seeing a horror film in theaters versus seeing other films. I think you nailed it right on the head. There's a certain level of tension in the theater and with viewers that you don't normally get. Yeah, I mean, when you walk into that theater, and I'm just as guilty as this as anybody. Maybe you're not as much because you know what's going to happen. But um, damn right I do. <laughs> But I think you can see on some of the faces, even when I looked over to the right at the person sitting next to me, like you could see that they were a little on edge. Like <laughs> I'm kind of worried I'm going to scream and I'm a grown man that's, you know, right. kind of embarrassing himself. But I mean, there is that kind of uneasiness and it's, you know, a different experience than any other movie. Like you go see like a drama or sure you know a sports movie or a you know comedy you're not on the edge there's not like that uneasiness where it's like the whole movie you're like kind of on edge where like you're kind of tired at the end of a thriller yeah. movie you, because it's I like, was hot and sweaty <laughs> yeah. I was I well that's a whole nother discussion it, if you're gonna have a bunch of people dress up like clowns yeah. please crank the air conditioning yeah, it's because true it, I was legitimately sweating at parts of the movie I I didn't even realize that I was so into the movie that by the time the credits started rolling I I turned to you and I was like I'm I'm really hot. Case in point, uh, I'm pretty sure you drank like seven waters and yeah. you didn't need to go to the bathroom nope. when Re we left. <laughs> kept it refilled, kept it refilled. I sweat it all out. Um, but that kind of, you know, the, the horror movie experiences is a whole different level of experience. There's a whole different range of emotions that you get. We haven't really done a horror movie. That's why I was really excited for this movie because if I could get you to see any quote-unquote scary movie, it was going to be this one, mm -hmm. which begs the question, David, is it... A horror film or was it even scary because obviously it's been marketed as one obviously you watch all the trailers like this is a scary movie and and it's it's based off of a scary book now I never thought that the original miniseries was scary I don't think that that sh shit's scary at all I don't think Tim Curry is scary at all I think he's great I think he's legendary in his performance as Pennywise, but I never found the YouTube clip scary, and maybe it's because they were taken out of context. But the, going into this movie, going or I should say walking out of this movie, is it a horror movie? It's a good question. Without for, going into spoilers, obviously, we're going to keep it spoiler-free. For me, it was more of like, I guess there was a lot of tension. It was more like almost jumpy than scary. Um, sure. There was a lot of things that could make you kind of just jump but i i think the thing that they did in it was they really drew out a lot of those quote unquote scary scenes mm -hmm. um where you kind of knew what was coming so it wasn't like oh my gosh that just came out of nowhere right. like they walk into a room the music starts getting tense you know like shit's you gonna go down. and even like in some of them like without giving away anything in some of the scenes like a little thing happens first where you're like, okay, Pennywise or Pennywise sure. is in this room right sure. now. So you, you see know a balloon. something's going to happen. Like, yeah. oh, there's a fucking balloon. It's yeah. on. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like it's la, 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 la. Everything's good. And then suddenly whack, like right. something out of nowhere. Right. Like you're kind of prepared for everything that happens. I had a dream like that one time. <laughs> I had a dream like that one time where it was a sidebar here. It was a dream. I used to live in a cul-de-sac, right? And my dream was that there was a huge cul-de-sac balloon Water balloon fight 
literally dozens of people and i saw somebody wearing like one of those like uh uh like board signs that you wear on like a street like they're sure. wearing it over their shoulders and it was blocking the balloons and i remember in my i'll never forget this fucking dream i'm like oh there's one in the back and i go to the backyard and then the gate slams and then fucking chucky shows up in my dream <laughs> just like what the hell this was a great dream how did that happen and and there's really not anything like that in this movie there's no. all uh, every time something is about to happen a balloon shows up or a a creepy ass adult does something creepy and you kind of know like it's on yeah and i think that kind of going to that point i don't think this is a it's all relative i think it's obviously a horror movie but the question of whether it's a horror movie like the exorcist or like paranormal activity I don't think so. I look at this as a very, as a relatively scary, or more, more accurately, a very, very, very intense adventure movie. Yeah, I mean, I if I think of like, because last year since we did our movie competition, uh, I watched a lot of the horror movies uh -huh. way more than I normally would. Like, I think of like one of the ones that stands out to me from last year in Lights Out. Like, I jumped a whole lot more and was a whole lot, I guess, quote unquote, scared. Sure. In in lights out because it was like so many times it was like just for an hour and a half they just like hit you with like loud noise like out of nowhere yep. like you knew like there something was going to happen but it was like whereas in this it's more like kind of developed and and it doesn't necessarily get you jumping a bunch like it, there's definitely tension throughout the entire movie right uh, but there's also a lot of relief scenes i think they dedicate probably more time to like the development of these characters and the relationships in the losers club of the mm -hmm. kids than they even do to pennywise like i think probably screen time is 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 probably it's shifted like, more to the kids it's like 75 25 yeah pennywise isn't in this movie a lot no and so i think of you know for me like the biggest thing like that i maybe equate it to is it's like the goonies meets horror exactly that's exactly how i call it i, I just it's like a really really intense goonies like, in the Goonies, like, think about the Goonies for a second. The Goonies was a PG movie back in the 80s. Probably would be, definitely would be PG-13 now. But it's a group of kids going on an adventure where there is literally life-threatening booby traps. And they're racing against a, a family of criminals who have killed people. And we've seen dead bodies, you know? The stakes are, are exactly the same in this movie. With the exception of that, it's just a little bit creepier. You know, there's a killer clown on the loose and things like that. I It certainly has all the makings of a horror movie, particularly the quote-unquote scary scenes, as you mentioned. I think those scary scenes, you know, the ones that show up in horror movies, they're a lot like action scenes in blockbusters. Very, very similar. They're set pieces, right? And it's that they have to be inventive. They have to escalate. Um, and... A lot of the scares in this movie wound up being loud noises, music cues, kind of boo, gotcha scares. Um, for the most part, though, I think you're right. There was a ton of focus on the kids, the relationships, not only with themselves, but with the town. I think it's a really great movie about fear and growing up too early. Um, cause that's the whole, man, the whole, the book it, which I have not read, but I've read enough to know that the book, uh, Stephen King's novel is just metaphors 
upon metaphors upon metaphors, right? And this whole movie is just metaphors for growing up too early and facing your fears. And I particularly liked how Pennywise, and this isn't a huge spoiler if you know the book or the or the TV show at all, but he's not always the clown. He's a shape-shifting monster. So he shows up at what the ki- as what the kids fear. So the hypochondriac kid, the kid who's scared of germs and getting sick, that shows up as a leper. You know, um, the girl who's going through grown up shit, uh, that is the blood that you see coming out of the sink in the trailer. I really like those touches because it really makes it more of a personal kind of like, oh, Pennywise is an asshole on top of like he's really taking he's really going low on these kids, which which was unfortunate. But but again, I was never at once scared it was just like a, a really good shootout, you know, in an action movie. Um, and so I think I think it's certainly scary for some people. Uh, pretty much everyone that I've talked to is just like, nope, I'm not going to see that. Hell no. And I would say, like, to people like that, I would say, I get it, but quit being a little bitch. Like, <laughs> not, maybe not. Maybe I should Maybe I should dial that back a little bit. Well, as, as someone, like I said, I am not a horror fan, so, you know, it's... It is literally out of my comfort zone to go and see this movie. Right. So that's the hard part about talking about this movie, by the way, because like you're not trying to do puns all the time when you when you say it, but it just happens. So it 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 happens. Um, (laughs) But having said that, I I will vouch for all of you non horror people out there. I don't like scary movies, that sort of thing. Like it's not gonna leave you with nightmares and no. those types of things the only people i mean maybe if you have like an extreme um case of you know being scared of clowns like maybe this would have an effect on you sure um but i guarantee you everybody out there has has had seen a scarier movie than, sure. than, than oh, this 100 so for all of you core Phobias? Phobia? Phobia? Is that the clown? Yeah, that's the clown. So that's the specific fear of clowns. But for all of you, those people stay away from it. But yeah, everybody else, I think, you, I think it'll be okay. But I mean, and yeah, and going into it, I mean, this movie is going to be gigantic. And it's in its first weekend, its first four days of release alone. It's already made more than Baby Driver, Girls Trip. It made more than Transformers in four days transformers which cost 210 million dollars to make this movie cost 35 million dollars it's a full-blown phenomenon and i think that you should take the opportunity to go see it go check it out you know it is kind of getting into you know if we if we want to get into our actual review of it before we break down actual spoilers as we said before i think the kids are all fantastic in it they the kids are so a well cast and b they're they have a camaraderie you know uh you feel for the friendship between bill and richie uh you feel or at least i did certainly feel for the kind of budding romance and feelings that that ben has for beverly and you feel kind of and i don't know about you man because you were mr popular runner basketball player in high school and shit like that and i was the drama kid but I certainly related to some of these kids and, and some of like just some of the feelings, how they felt, you know, uh, the, the and it's just their performances are excellent. 
You know, the kids are really, really great. Uh, the Stranger Kids or Stranger Things kid, Finn Wolfhard, which uh, great name by the way, fucking crazy good name, <laughs> kills it as Richie. He is he's hilarious, and the movie is hilarious. It's a really funny movie. Um, uh, the girl who plays Bev. Uh, is is equally amazing. I mean, there are a few standouts throughout the cast, but I think the particularly um, the Finn, Finn Wolfhard as Richie and Sophia Lillis as Bev were my standouts from the kids' point of view. Yeah, I I think for me those two definitely, and then also I you know I was a big fan of Mike Mikey the hypochondriac Eddie uh, or Eddie sorry Eddie, Eddie. Mike is the uh, actor or Eddie's the the one but uh yep. mike was the the sheep kid the uh oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. For, yeah for me the best were beverly eddie and and definitely richie those are my three favorite characters and and ben was good too um everybody was good yeah I every, mean, everybody was good in it mike i mean mike didn't really richie come into play until role. late um rich richie definitely had the showy role um and eddie the, both of them had both the, of them were yeah yeah uh, I mean, they didn't give a whole lot to Stanley, the the Jewish kid. Right. He didn't have a whole lot, and um, Mike didn't have a ton. He showed up to the Losers Club late in the game. Yep. You know, but they all were really, really good. No, at all what the they performances did. were really good, and and it kind of echoes kind of a trend that we have going, which it's not it's not unusual for us to see you know theater uh, studios double down on what's popular at the moment, but. You know, it kind of felt like a Stranger Things-esque cask. I know one of them obviously is from Stranger Things, but Stranger Things kind of, there's a lot of kind of going back to the 80s right now as far as like pulling back nostalgia, Peak 80s nostalgia. We're in nostalgia. I mean, the 80s now are 30 plus, you know, 30 plus years. Right back so right. it's it's okay to i guess cycle them now because everybody who's making things now they were raised on those things yeah. so which makes sense i mean if you're if you're someone that grew up on movies and you were raised in the 80s it makes sense that you'd want to do For something sure. but you know we've got even things like ready player one coming out yes. which isn't just 80s but it's you know everything. it's a lot of that nostalgia too and things like that and so i think um this definitely you know not just in kind of the type of film but like even the dynamic of the group kind of was Goonies-esque because you oh, think yeah. of Goonies and they were kind of the outsiders you know the poor poor families in town that that hung out together and that kind of thing and were a little bit different than the popular kids and and that and so it kind of echoed a lot of that you know I'm not putting it anywhere near the level of Goonies you know Goonies is an all-time it's classic legend. yeah um but yeah I mean this is going to continue to kill it because of the lack of competition, but uh, right. um, it also deserves to do well as well. Now we've gotten this far. We're almost thirty minutes into this into this damn podcast, and we haven't talked much about the main attraction yet, which is Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Mm-hmm. And again, free of spoilers, right now, I think now's the time to talk about Pennywise and Bill Skarsgård. Of the of the family Skarsgårds, that's a, that's Stellan Skarsgård's son, and um, the freaking Tarzan's brother whose name I can't remember, Alexander I think if I, I if think I'm so. not mistaken, um, and and what he had to do with this performance because as we said before, even though I didn't. I've never really watched the 90s miniseries. It hasn't aged well. 
Tim Curry as Pennywise is truly legendary. Like it is the one it is he is the prototypical scary clown even though I don't find him to be all that scary. Um he's kind of like it's kind <laughs> he's kind of like Jack Nicholson Joker versus Heath Ledger Joker or Bill Skarsgård's kind of Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. And I feel like like Bill Skarsgård really did some interesting shit with with this role because he really plays Pennywise as something not of this world. It's like he barely even knows how to pretend to be a human being in his in his mannerisms and the way he talks and things like that. And that was really impressive to me. And it very much was kind of like Heath Ledger's Joker performance. I'm not saying it's that it's as good because that blew everyone's minds, right? But Skarsgård as Pennywise is almost that exact same kind of delivery in the sense that you know that this is a bad dude or a bad thing and you know that it has its own twisted sense of humor so it's not really funny and yet you can't help but constantly focus on what it's doing and can't help but kind of find it amusing how he terrorizes these kids well and i think and again we're not putting this in the category of of either of these but i think of it you know what it accomplished and and what he accomplished in the role for me is i kind of forgot that this is a human person mm-hmm. acting as pennywise like and it's not because like it was so cgi'd up that you couldn't even although tell there was, that it was plenty it, it's of cg plenty of cg but it wasn't like it was just so unrealistic that it's like i know this isn't a person type of thing it was that, like you said, the way he acts, the way he portrays, like it doesn't seem human-like. It seems monster-like from that standpoint. And I think of like, you know, you got Heath Ledger, but you know, for me, maybe even you go the route of like Gollum, like, and okay. kind of Gollum is tons of CGI as well. But like, you kind of forgot that like, this is an actual per, this is Andy Circus, you know, from that standpoint, mm-hmm. and you just thought of this as like a thing you know a a monster uh you know a character from that standpoint and so i think that's that's a credit to bill skarsgård and and the character itself and that and that um you kind of forget that this isn't you know you actually believe this is a monster this isn't a person playing a monster right whereas tim curry you know and again we're not trying to beat up on this was you know many years ago oh, so there's tim curry's, technology oh yeah tim curry's great it'll always be great he's still great but he still looked like a guy dressed up as a clown right. is the monster like you didn't really get monster from him as much as what you got from this no which he, is... you got like jersey old jersey <laughs> boardwalk clown like even his voice when you look at the georgie clip from the old 1990s version where he's like very good georgie that's very smart like which I'm, is, I'm watching this i'm like motherfuckers from new jersey or what which is, which is why i could see why the old it could have turned people off to clowns because sure. it looked like someone that if you didn't do your research and you just ordered random clown out of the phone book, <laughs> you could get someone like this that was kind of creepy. You got some carny who just smokes six packs a day and likes to diddle kids or something like that. Like, I get it. Um, now, did you know, because obviously I did a little bit of research before this, 
uh, this movie's gone through different iterate uh, different iterations stuff like that some of i just want to throw this trivia out here because that was really interesting so they ended up going with bill skarsgård who's relatively unknown hasn't done a ton of stuff but as they were developing this movie they were looking at people like mark rylance who was just in dunkirk who won an oscar for bridge of spies who's a very soft-spoken actor um, Richard Armitage, Ar- Armitage, Armitage, who played uh, the lead dwarf in the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving, obviously Agent Smith from The Matrix, and Tilda Swinton for Pennywise as well. And I can, oh, what kind of weird ass. I imagine Hugo Weaving's would have been a lot like Tim Curry's. Very, yes. <laughs> very just like, oh. Oh, it's a, you float down here too. Like it would have been interesting as hell. But I'm super glad with what with what he did and what Bill Skarsgård did. And I'm, I, you know, like you said, I think you put it perfectly. Where you just kind of forgot that this was a person, and uh, and you really really let his performance kind of take over. Well, and I think the thing with that too is the reason why I'm glad they went with a relatively unknown actor is because. I think it would have been distracting if you're like, oh, that's Hugo Weaving. Like, I can't get out of the fact that this is Agent Smith or like any very recognizable actor. I think it would have been distracting. Sure. And I think even going back and watching the original It, like, like I'm picturing the freaking concierge dude from the hotel in Home Alone or freaking Clue or whatever you want to do. Like, you're not picturing... Congo. Like this scary person, yeah, Congo. Yeah, I mean, you're you're picturing this guy who's been really goofy in a lot of roles, sure. and you're like, it's hard to take you serious as sure. a clown. Like you don't the, you don't come off as a clown esque type of person. Now the makeup really helps too, because because Skarsgård's a lanky dude with a narrow head, and they put this huge dome on him with sure. huge hair. He don't even look like himself. No. It's it's with the lip makeup and the teeth and everything that they do with him. It, it, it's really, really something. Now we kind of talked about CGI a little bit, and I, you know, this, listen, this movie's great, but it's not without its faults. It's really fucking long. It's like two hours and fifteen minutes long, which is long for a horror movie. And you do get a little bit repetitive in the middle with some of those scare scenes. Like it's, it, it it's, it's necessary for the story, right? Because you have to see Pennywise it terrorize these kids in their own specific personal ways but there's that chunk of middle in the movie where it's like scary thing happens to this kid cut to a scene scary thing happens to this kid cut to a scene scary kid happens scary thing happens to this kid at some point even though there's a pretty decent variety it got to be a little repetitive well and i think it would have been one thing too if you were talking about like three characters and it happened three times and you dedicated that much we had seven, seven, six, all all said and done, because because yeah. Richie didn't get terrorized. True. So um, I mean, but I mean, from that standpoint, it's like, look, <laughs> we get it at some point, and it and it'd be one thing too. Like I was fine highlighting all of them, sure, but not in the depth that they did. Like the one of the last ones for it to happen was I think Eddie, uh-huh. um, and that was like a probably like a four or five minute scene right which was great which was a great scene but it was after like three other ones yeah but after we had done it with with other people and it's like we get it you know and 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 then i think later in the movie too like post the first you know 
post one of the fights or with Pennywise and not trying to get into too many uh, too many spoilers, but they basically did it again, right? With in a different form to some point, the real life issues that they're going into mm-hmm. with um, outside of Pennywise, and we went through each character again, going through sort of a process again, and each of them got some time to it, and that. And it was like almost like those montage scenes, but they weren't montages. It no, they was were like full. They were full on scenes where it could have been, that's you a know, good point. a montage with music in the background or something like that of seeing them, you know, moving on that kind of thing. Sure, sure. So maybe a little bit of tighter editing. The last thing that I want to mention is how really well constructed of a story it is, so that all the normal kind of horror tropes that you're used to seeing actually play into the story like the story of Derry, maine which is the city or the town i should say uh that this this story is is based in is that Derry is essentially a cursed town and that this entity living underneath it in its sewers is basically dragging everyone down with it it's almost like the sludge in ghostbusters 2 where it's just making everybody terrible and so Every adult in this movie is either a horrible person or abusive or absent or um, overprotective. Like there's some like every adult in this movie is shitty. And if this was a normal kids movie or a normal kids adventure movie, if you will, not a kids movie, obviously, or, or even a normal horror movie, I feel like you wouldn't have been able to get away with something like that. But the way that this film is structured, credit to Stephen King allows it to do something like that. And the same thing with the bullies, too. The bullies in, in this movie are literally the worst possible version of bullies that you could imagine a kid having to deal with. Like, to the point of where it's like, they are literally going to kill you. Yep. Um, and the fact that it's all tied in to this town, to this negative energy to this town... Again, I just want to give kind of a shout out to Stephen King because he allows these tropes to play out, but there's story motivation behind them. And I just think that that's really creative because otherwise you could just have bullies be bullies and parents be shitty parents. And and many movies have done that without explanation. Um, But like there's just little bits and pieces from the adults in this movie, like the way a pharmacist gives like a real creepy glance or the librarian. Did you, and we won't get into spoilers, but the librarian particularly, once we get into spoilers, I want to talk about, cause there's some really effective camera uh, tricks done in that scene. Um, but to kind of give it kind of wrap up the spoiler free version, um, I'm giving this, uh, movie theater popcorn grade. I think that you should abs- if if you want to see a really well constructed, well acted, very intense, sometimes scary, you know, kids on an adventure movie. You should go see this movie. You really shouldn't look at it as a horror movie, but I think you should see it in the theater. I think you should see it on the big screen, and I think you should see it as soon as possible while theaters are still packed because as you said there's an energy there that that i think is is you can't really replace um it's by no means perfect but it's pretty pretty damn good 
Yeah, and, and for me, I, I kind of echo that. It's not perfect popcorn for me, but I do put it as something that's worth seeing in the theaters. Heck, I think it'd probably be less scary for you if you go and see it in the theaters, if you're one of those people that's worried about scary movies. It would be creepier for me to watch this movie by myself in the dark at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then it would be to watch it in I don't want to watch this at home. No. Fuck that. So I would say it's definitely theater worthy. It's 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 good enough to recognize that it, there's an experience that's going to be lost if you rent it or you know download it or something like sure. that. So I definitely think it's worth your time and and I think you know I think it's going to do really well for a while because it's one we're getting into that Halloween season and mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any like fantastic horror movie coming out around this uh, Halloween season and we're kind of in as we talked about on our last podcast we're kind of in a crappy barren desert of movies right now yeah we got at least one more week we got some interesting movies coming out in the next couple of weeks we got American Assassin is starting to grow on me and we got Mother but then we got Kingsman and and I think it is going to be good and we got Flatliners that ain't going to be nearly as good as it but we're, we're it, business is picking up a little bit but, but there's, um, there's not a lot of things on that list that like and, and granted it is R, so sure. it's not like it's as easy but let's be honest high schoolers are still going to get into Oh hell yeah! It without having to get too much work. One hundred percent. But like, there's not a whole lot on the upcoming schedule that you say is like that's your prototypical. Like, there's no soft seventeen or no, you know, any of those. You know, Freddy versus Jason or any of those. No. Like, there's not many of those coming out in the the near horizon. So if if you're in that mode of hey, it's fall and it's almost Halloween, like I want to go see a scary movie, like right. This go is, see it. This is going to be it. Yeah. You know? Go see it. It. For sure. This it, the, it is going to be it. Yeah. Um. And again, we had a hell of a time going to see this movie, and we documented it a little bit more than we usually do with our movie-going experiences. And you can find that on, on our social media sites. So, so do us a favor. Before we get into spoilers, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. You can read our reviews. You can read our Oscar prognostications on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But now we get to talk about this movie, Spoilerific. Because, and again, if you know it, if you've read the book or seen the miniseries, listen, there ain't going to be a lot of surprises here. You know, we're going to talk about some of the different things that they did here, but it pretty much follows the script. It, the movie It, follows the script, follows what it should be. But from this point on is a spoiler zone. So just keep that in mind. Um, we've got a couple things that we want to talk about. David, first and foremost, I mean, obviously we've given our review, but let's talk about some of our favorite parts in the movie. What were some of your favorite parts of it? You know, for me, it really comes down to a lot of... There wasn't a lot of scenes that were focused around Pennywise that I would say are my favorite scenes. I Most of mine have to do more with like the back and forth between the characters um you know some of the the things with with eddie and his and his paranoia (laughs) over germs and um and richie with all of his jokes you know you've got this nerdy group and 
he's doing all these kind of your mom jokes and mm-hmm. little all accents. These, like, he's doing yeah. the, now's not the time for your British accent, Richie. Yeah. So there was a lot of fun things like this. And I know I'm stealing this because it's it's one of your favorites. So I apologize. And you can you can expand on it. But there is the one scene late in the movie when they're fighting Pennywise for the second time. Oh, um, yes, the finale. When, when go ahead, say it's what, the final. Oh my God! So can I? So you're gonna let? I'm me, gonna let you take. All it. right, I'll set it up. So, so Pennywise, we're just gonna go straight to the fucking end on this, right? <laughs> so the the point gets the it gets to the point where Pennywise realizes the kids aren't afraid of him anymore, and fear to Pennywise is the most tasty thing that he's eating. And so once these kids aren't afraid anymore, they stop becoming appetizing to him. And so he grabs Bill, the the the, the de facto leader of, and he basically like, listen, uh, you guys can go. Um, just leave Bill, leave me here, leave Bill. And you guys can live long, happy lives. And Richie, who got in a fight with Bill and who's like doesn't want to be there, he starts acting like he's going to take the deal. He's like, this is all your fucking fault, Bill. You got me down here in the sewers. I'm trudging through shit water. And he starts listing off these things. And he's walking and he pulls out this bat. And he's just like, and now I'm going to have to kill this fucking clown. And I almost cheered. It was so good. It was. I, I, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, since I went over it. No, that's, I mean, that's, that just spells to, like, my favorite part of this movie is 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 the characters themselves. And, and in this Losers Club, it's the lovable losers. It's, you know, what made me enjoy Goonies, you know, Chunk and doing the truffle shuffle yeah. and all those types <laughs> of things. Like, all that stuff was so fun to me. So, like, I enjoyed the the scene when they were cliff diving, you know, and you mm-hmm. see just, you know, it's the cliche you know, kids having fun scene from these movies. But it's but important like, for this movie. It is. And and even when they're sitting there, you know, once they get out of it and they're all staring at her, you know, that kind of thing in, in I guess, bathing suit, underwear. I don't know what you She's call it. She's definitely in her 80s. underwear. Yeah, underwear. But it's, it's a they're kid's They're all in their thing. underwear. It, 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 but it didn't seem like, you know, it wasn't like in bad taste or anything like that. It was just funny. It was like in... Sandlot when they're checking out the right. the lifeguard, you know, you know that kind of thing. So, um, those... and a lot of adults kind of shit on that and poo pooed on that, like, oh, it's a little icky. It's like, do you forget what it was like when you were twelve and you saw a girl for the first time or a guy for the first time? Like, oh, it's icky. We all fucking went through it. All right, get off your high horse. It's not. It's it's not icky in the film. I think it comes off as really sweet natured, um, and and I think it deals directly with the relationships and the actors and and the way that they put on that they make it sweet you know yep um what was my oh my one of my favorite parts was rock fight that was so good like seeing them stand up to the bullies on all the other shit that they have to deal with was fantastic yeah seeing those turning points in some of those areas and and even seeing you know like i loved some of the the early interaction with uh with Ben, um, uh-huh. sort of the the funny chubby kid that uh, that shows interest in the town history for some reason, mm-hmm. and that you know you had the typical horror movie things where it's like, how does no one notice this? Like when they're looking back through the history, how do you not notice like the clown in these pictures? Right. Like, because because they've been blinded because the sludge because of Pennywise living underneath the sewers it's just like the dad not seeing the blood sure sure absolutely. and that's genius because it's all story it can all be explained in the story and I really like that um 
I, I, you know, you said you didn't really, not that you didn't like the Pennywise scenes, but that you liked other scenes more. Man, every time Pennywise was on screen, I was just eating it up. I was just like loving his mannerisms, loving the, like, obviously you have the first scene with Georgie, but then you have the scene where he's in the house and he's like getting ready to eat Eddie. And he's just, he's like losing his mind. It's like if I was sitting in front of a delicious cheeseburger and I was just like salivating and that kind of stuff is really, really was just fascinating to watch. You know, I really like that stuff. And, and going back to some of the adults, one of my favorite kind of quote-unquote scary scenes in the movie was the library scene with Ben. Um, because the librarian at first comes off as like the least shitty of any of the adults that they've come into contact with, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, don't you have any friends? Which is a shitty thing to ask a kid. But she leaves the book with him to to, to read and I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a shot where it's him reading and behind him, in way in the background, the librarian's standing there. And it's like she's crouching. It's like she's hunched over like an animal. And what's really interesting about the geography of that scene is we know that we saw the balloon, balloon float and the librarian was sitting behind her desk. So the librarian couldn't be standing there. So that's fucking Pennywise like just ah, as he's stalking him in broad daylight, and that was so fucking cool to me. I really, really dug those little details like that. Um, and same with all the like, you could just feel that the town is evil, and I really like that. And I can't. I mean, again, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna have to kill this fucking clown. Probably the best line I think I've heard all year. So fucking good. So good. I'm very excited to see how how we can keep carrying this on with the second movie, with the next one. Yep. Because there is going to be a next one. It, the novel, classically, is is interspliced. It's, it's actually interconnected, um, and it shifts between the kids in the 50s, now in the 80s, and the adults going back to fight Pennywise one last time. So we know we're getting a sequel because it's making a shitload of money. Well, and and we and they even tell you in the story that that Pennywise comes every twenty seven years. years. So we know that most likely this movie, next movie, is going to take place twenty seven years later. Yep. So if we're talking about thirteen year olds, I think they were or fourteen. So we're putting them right around forty. Yeah. So we're talking about we're going to have forty year olds, yep. which leads which to is super exciting because like now it's going to be is it going to be scary or is it going to be even more of an adventure movie? Like I'm sure they'll find ways to make it scary for sure. But this is the best part. You don't really get to do this with any other movies where we get to fantasy cast. Who's going to play? Because we know at least these seven kids are coming coming back. They're going to come back in flashbacks, but these seven characters mm -hmm. are going to be coming back. Yep. And just to run through the characters really quickly, you have Stuttering Bill, who's the de facto leader. You have Motormouth Richie, or Trashmouth, I think his name is, Trashmouth Richie, who's the funny glasses-wearing Motormouth jokester. You have Eddie who's the germaphobe. You have Bev, who's the girl of the group, for, for lack of a better definition. Um, you have Ben, who's the, the chubby, you know, smart kid. You have Mike, who's the, the only black kid in the group, and he's sort of the one who's feels like he's, he's a homeschool kid. He's a homeschool kid, yep, that keeps him separate. And then you have Stan, who's the kind of 
one Jewish. Kid. He's the son of the rabbi. He's the son of the rabbi. He's he's the Jewish kid, but he also seems like the one who wants the least amount to do with it. Yeah, he's kind of the scared kid. Yeah, he's like, I mean, they're all they're all scared, but he like at no point is like on board. Like, yeah, let's do it. Right. It's more like he's just kind of dragged into right doing it because everybody else is doing and it. And so we both have drafted up some fantasy casting ideas here. And I don't know how you want to do this. You want to go character by character? Let's go character by character. Okay, we'll go character by character. We'll start with you. We'll start with the hero of the piece. We'll start with Bill. And we'll we'll see we'll see exactly who you have for Bill. Bill in the 2017 film, Bill is played by uh Jaden uh Lieberher as Bill Den Denbro, stuttering Bill Denbro. So who could who could fill his role? So for me, I some of these characters I went for who kind of looks like them, just straight up looks. I don't know what I don't know that they'd be the best for that character, but who just straight up looks. And then I also pick like trying to think out of the box, like who would be really fun to see in that role. Mm-hmm. So for looks, and I didn't do this with all of them because some of them the answer is the same for me. Uh, but for looks, I went Colin Hanks because it looks a lot like Colin Hanks. Interesting. And, and and I wouldn't mind another like, I know Colin Hanks is is known and he's done a lot of stuff, but he's not like an A list person from that standpoint. Sure, so I, I could see him in that role. He was really good in Fargo season two, or was that season one? But if if we're going season one, I think. a little bit bigger name for me and someone that I could see kind of in this role, and I'm just a big fan of him in general, uh-huh. and so I probably shoehorned him into this a little bit. But I'm going John Krasinski. Interesting, I like that a lot actually. That's very interesting. So I, with your lead up, so my mine I got three for Bill here. Of course. Of, of course, I have three for most of them. Don't ever ask Rick just to do one. I thing. I can't do one thing. Um, so I suggested number one. I went with Joel Kinnaman, who played um, the Rick Flag in Suicide Squad. He okay. was the soldier. Um, he could play that really kind of haunted look really, really well. I think um, I went with Toby Maguire as okay. well. I thought that would be a real interesting pick. Um, and then lastly, and I thought you were gonna say him the way you you built this up. But I'm going with your boy Ben Foster. Ah, I like I wanna, it. I want to see we could get Ben Foster in there. All he, he, I feel like he could play that role real, real well. Absolutely. Um, for Bill, so that's that's gonna that's our fantasy casting for Bill. Uh, let's go next to Richie Motormouth, the the wise guy. All right, the for jokester. This, for this one, I only have one because okay. I think uh, this person potentially you could pass him as looking like what Richie would look like grown up, as well as I think he fits. What it would be so i'm going with jake johnson okay so um one of my favorite younger funny actors i know we've talked about we talked about this prior but he's a little young for the role sure um but i mean let's be honest like people get cast for roles that they're too young for or too, too old for, for all the time it happens all the time i usually if there's like if they're within 10 years like if they fall within, not like at the tail end of 10 years, but if they fall like anywhere between like seven years from 40, I feel like they could play it. Absolutely. Um, so that's a really good pick. I have Jake Johnson on my list as well, but not for Richie. Um, I have Bill Hader, I think could be a really good Richie. I also have Charlie Day. Uh, I can see Charlie which Day. Which I think could be really interesting. 
And I also threw in here, this is probably never going to happen, but I threw in Seth Green. And I threw in Seth Green for two reasons. Number one, Seth Green has a, a pretty good career going, uh, voiceover career right now. Not a huge star by any means. But Seth Green played Richie in the miniseries. <laughs> How cool would that be? That would, that be, would cool. be very interesting. Um, so those are our picks for Richie. Let's go next to Bev. Let's go next to Bev, the 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 redhead girl, the girl of several of their dreams. Um, she's tough as shit, but I, you know, also very, you know, attractive in that certain way. So I picked two here just for the sake of picking two. Sure. Um, I feel like if we're gonna tie but, on anything, but, it's gonna but, be this. One. But there's one that to me is just it's too easy of a pick because right. one I think the actress and I don't remember her name off the top of my head who played. Bev in the current one as the young Sophia Bev. Lillis. To me, Sophia Lillis looks like a young Amy Adams. So Very much so. To me, Amy Adams, one, has the acting chops to do it. Two, she already looks a lot like her. Even when I first heard Sophia talking, like it sounded a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> like Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. And two, I feel like, or three, I feel like she could, she could definitely pull off that role of like, you know, trouble past that kind of thing. So sure. I think she'd be really good in that role. But if you're also going for like that strong, you know, and if I'm playing off of some of her momentum from what she's about to come out with uh-huh. the movie for, uh-huh. I went Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. All so, right. you know, stay in that horror genre from mother, um, and that she's been doing, but she, she does really well at playing that sort of strong female lead, you know, girl against the world type of role how old so. is jennifer lawrence not that it matters but she's got to be on the young side right she definitely would be on the oh, young she's side. fucking 27 dude i think that's gotta take her out of the running i actually thought you were gonna say a different name again i thought you were gonna go somewhere different here it's a great choice i mean jennifer lawrence could pull that shit off in a heartbeat For and sure. she i feel like she could play older I well, feel like and I she feel has like played older. I, I don't know what age, and you probably don't find out what age she's supposed to be, but right. she definitely seems like she's playing an older character general, in Mother. The general math. In right? Mother, from that standpoint. I mean, because so, she's with Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. So with Bev, I also went A.B. Adams. Um, I also went, um, uh, my backup is Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay. I like Bryce Dallas Howard could pull this off. But my number two pick, and this is for a couple of reasons, and again, I thought you were going to say this, Jessica Chastain. Okay, yeah. So I thought you were going to say this because she's going to come off some big, big stuff coming up with Molly's Game, number one. Yep. Number two, she already worked with the director, Andy Muschietti, in Mama in another horror movie. So there's connections there. So I feel like that is That's almost built in yep. to happen. Um, all right, going from Bev, let's go to Eddie next. Eddie um, is the 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 germaphobe, the hypochondriac kid, uh, played by Jack Dylan Grazier, who's uh, Brian Grazier's, uh, I think, nephew. So good on him. So I actually went. I only picked one for this one. Okay. For some reason, it got in my head, and I stuck with it. A um, little bit smaller name, but has definitely been around. Um, and again, I don't know his age, so he may be a little young for this. But I actually went B.J. Novak. Ooh, that is an interesting choice. That's a very interesting choice. I like that choice a lot. We might as well just we could cast him with the whole Office cast, we right? We, office we cast could. In. I mean, you could put uh, you could put Jenna Fisher in, you could put as Jenna Fisher in. Absolutely. 
We um, can find uh, Rain Wilson in there for hell sure. Hell yeah, one hundred percent. So this is where I put Jake Johnson. I feel like Jake Johnson could probably play He'd be a pretty great good Eddie. Yep. Um, I also pulled Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. Okay. I feel like they could both play that character really, really well. They've both been known to do drama and comedy pretty effectively. Um, all right, uh, we got three, maybe four more. Let's go with Ben. Now I'm going to tell you right now, spoilers and all that. Ben, not a fat kid when he grows up. All right, he's a good-looking guy. Uh, so I don't know if that affected your your casting at all, but it certainly did I, mine. I factored it in a little bit. Okay. So I actually this one I I have three. Uh, uh-huh. This is the only one I had three, but one of them is just for fun. Yep. I'm saying it. Uh, one of them is Jeff Cohen, uh, which probably doesn't ring Fucking a bell to chunk? anybody. Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. if you've looked up what Jeff Cohen looks like now, sure, he's he's not chubby anymore sure. or anything like that. And so for me, it was just fun to pick Chunk as yeah. coming back and playing the yeah. formerly chunky kid in It. So I picked him. I did look at Sean Astin for a couple of these roles. Sean Astin is the uh, number two on my list. <laughs> okay, so I right. picked him. And then uh, last for me um, would be Chris Pratt. Uh, I, yep, Chris I got Pratt, Chris Pratt Chris Pratt, I feel like, resembles someone who... <laughs> embodies that role embodies that role but mm-hmm. also plays that like i don't know for some reason why uh and maybe it's because of some of his comments and some of his characters that he plays but he kind of reminds me of someone who like could play a role of someone who used to be chubby yeah for sure for sure now i also went with chris pratt and i I picked a big one this is a big one and i don't pretty i'm pretty sure he wouldn't get go for this role um he would probably he might even fit in for bill as well but I went with Michael Fassbender. Okay. I want to bring him in. We want to bring some class in here. Fassbender's not above doing the X-Men movies, doing the Snowman movie. Um, and so I feel like that could be really interesting as well. Um, next we have Mike. Mike, who is, again, like I said, he's the only black kid in the group, played by Chosen Jacobs. He also seemed to be a little bit older than the other kids. I mean, just that might have just been the way he carried himself. Um, I'll let you go with Mike. Who you got for Mike? Well, for me, for Mike, I don't know. I got hung up on this again, and I didn't really move past it. And again, he's probably I'm I'm picking too young of people for the most part. It's all right. But uh, I went with Donald Glover. Okay. Ooh. So someone who's a a big up and coming name, I feel like, yeah. and is getting a lot of good work. And um, I actually glanced quickly, and I didn't find his age, but um, he's one that you know plays that quiet kind he's of reserved character. That could work. Yeah, he could work. Um, plays that quiet reserved because Mike, at least in this movie, is super reserved right. and doesn't say a whole lot. Right. Um, and and so I could see him fitting that. So I went with two here. I went with um, Sterling K. Brown, who was I think he just won like a bunch of awards for the uh, OJ uh, okay. miniseries, um, where he played uh, one of the prosecutors. I feel like strike where the iron's hot. Let's get him in here. My big big name casting though. Is uh, Chuatel Elgio for? Okay. Um, yep, yep. Who, for those of you who don't know, he was Twelve Years a Slave. He was he was in that film. He was in um, Jesus, a bunch of stuff. He was Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange. He was in Serenity. Uh, amazing. He's right around. I think he's like thirty nine. Okay. So he would fit, and he would play reserve really well too. Um, and then last, and then I have one more that I'm going to throw on top of this, but we got Stan. Stan's the Jewish kid, the rabbi's son, the kid who really doesn't want anything to do with any of this. So for this one, 
Spo- I told you. Spoiler. Yeah. Rick told me. I didn't know this because I haven't read the books and I don't plan. You know, on I didn't. I didn't. Plan plan, on I, it. Well, and I didn't plan. I didn't. I didn't read anything up on it prior because I didn't want to get any spoilers for the movie. Sure. Um, but for me, when Rick told me that this character ganks himself, ganks himself, they call up like literally. They they Mike is back in his hometown. He calls everyone up. He's like Pennywise is back. The first thing Stan does is hang up the phone, go upstairs, drop bath, and fucking cut his wrists. Yeah, and that's so, it. No yes. pun intended. So for me, if if they stick to that, I feel like it's a perfect opportunity to get like that big name actor. Okay. That, doesn't have the schedule or that to be able to commit to actually be in the movie and maybe isn't the best fit but really wants to be involved in the movie for some reason okay so you know how there's always those movies where there's the cameo and you got that big name that's in the movie that just gets killed right off the bat you like yeah the screen basically scream the, the or screen smoking theory. aces when freaking uh ben affleck affleck gets whacked okay. in like the first 10 minutes yep so for like me it. you know i i had a little bit of trouble with this one but i went with neil patrick harris Ooh, that's very interesting. I like that. I could see that. I could definitely see that. He's not afraid of getting getting blood spilled after his appearance in Gone Girl. For sure. That's so we, kind so of we where know that. Thinking. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then uh, the other one I did, though, if we're going for a legit Jewish actor, I went with uh, Andrew Garfield. So. Okay. All right. Nice. Very good picks there. I went. I have three again. I went with Adrian Brody. He was on my short list. If we gotta too, bring him, if we got to bring in a big name, let's bring in Brody right away. I also, I don't know how well these would fit, but I picked uh, Jason Siegel. Okay. And or Zach Braff. Okay. Could make real short appearances. They're not quite the huge names um, per se. Now, we're going to wrap this up. I got one more, though. In the movie, the bully gets kicked down a well and you never see him again. In the book... What happens is he ends up washing out into the barrens, and they find him. He gets obviously pinned for his dad's murder and for all of the other kids' disappearances. So all of its kidnappings and eatings and whatever, they get pinned on this kid, and he gets sent to prison, psychiatric ward. Flash forward 27 years, guess who breaks him out? Pennywise breaks him out. So he's got to cause a ruckus. So Henry Bowers is coming back. And I know I didn't warn you about this, so I don't know if you did any research on who this could be. Maybe you can pull one up really quickly. But I have one big one that I think is just we, – we don't even need to talk about it anymore. And I feel like it's Michael Shannon. Okay. Like, let's just bring Michael Shannon in as the crazy older fucking guy. I like it. And that's it. Now, I had a couple other ones. I had, like, Walter Walton Goggins, maybe. Um, but Michael Shannon just screams it to me. I've got I've got two that pop into my head. Both of them are, are big-time fantasy cast type of people. Okay. First one, you already had him on your list for a different role, Ben Froster. Who plays crazy better plays, than Ben Foster? He does play crazy plays, real good. I love only when, Michael Shannon might play crazy better. I than love ben when Foster. Ben Foster goes crazy Great weird, point. psycho. Excellent. Uh, so Ben Foster for one. Um, the second one, if we're just going crazy off the wall, sure, straight up fantasy cast. Let's just get Jason Statham. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! We've taken a turn. <laughs> or or since he looks like him in the movie. Uh, but he's way too old for this role. 
He looks. Let's go, Val Kilmer. Oh my God, dude! I'm already, I'm already imagining a Statham like brainwashed by Pennywise, who isn't going around stabbing people. He's going around karateing people. Like we have fight sequences now. What the fuck? That would be amazing. Oh my God, that's a perfect. That is a perfect note to end it on, um, because we, I, you obviously, you're excited for the next one. You're in. I'm in. I'm in on the next one. I think it's going to take a couple of years, but I'm in on there. And that is going to do it for this episode of The Popcorn Diet. As always, do us a favor, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, wherever you may be listening. And also, give us a follow. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. So for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. My name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And we're going to see you next time at the next movie on a popcorn diet. Later.